you're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Yeah, so anyway, good to be on with you guys. I had to get my podcast yeah, fix, you know, every every three or four weeks, you know, even if there's not that much to talk about. Yeah, I was about. getting, li- it was, yeah, it was too long. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there is some news that's come out of the first week of spring practices, right? We were debating it. We were debating it over text, which was, you know, the yeah. Master Teague injury. Um, you know, we, we don't know so exactly. So have they, have they said what it is yet they never do Did they never do it? no they you know in, in college they never reveal exactly what's wrong and how long they'll be out uh, and that's that's intentional no program does that i mean unless the kid volunteers the information himself right which was the case last year with uh, justin fields right he 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 said in a, after the penn state game that uh you know, he had a, a sprained MCL, so he volunteered that information. But unless the kid does that or his parents does it, that the program uh, doesn't reveal exactly what's wrong. But the reports are, um, the word around the campfire is it's an Achilles injury of some kind. Yeah. And right. and if that's well, the case. Yeah. Yeah, I just think that's a little different scenario, though. Like, because... If he tore his Achilles, he's done for yeah. the year. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, take it so from somebody. I, I no, so I just don't think it's you know. I mean, I, I understand the privacy side of it, but um, it's uh, it, 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 it's not like gamesmanship, I guess, right? Is right. Hundred percent. Is he going to play? Is he not going right. to play? It's like no. If he tore his Achilles, the dude's out for you know twenty twenty twenty. It's just no no two ways around it yeah yeah i don't understand it it's one of these um i mean it's a privacy thing i think maybe they're also trying to protect these kids futures you know beyond college uh by not you know revealing or putting injury information out there um if they're you know they have nfl futures although you know an nfl team's going to do their due diligence these kids get physicals (laughs) if they've had a serious injury going into the end so i don't understand this it's one of those silly kind of old school rules uh, that you know college football still abides by that I don't quite understand but but those are the circumstances it sounds like an Achilles injury he's going to miss the spring entirely and you know uh, Ryan Day was interviewed after day one so I guess this would have been Monday afternoon and this is before uh, Teague was hurt and uh, he was asked about the depth of the position, and at the, at the time, they only had two scholarship running backs available, uh, Teague and Steel Chambers, and Day said, uh, well, we're one injury away from a crisis, and then that injury happened. Um, although he did yeah. say that he expects Marcus Crowley back before the fall, before fall practices um, resume, but Paige, I think you said this in one of our pods earlier this year, that if we're banking on a a kid, you know, running back coming off a serious knee injury, especially one who hasn't played much at all at the college level, you know, that's right. that's, that's, that's dangerous. He's supposed <laughs> to be a, a baller, though, man. Oh, I agree. I agree. Uh, I, I I think what this just does is it just brings Justin Fields running into this, like the oh, running man. game, into the whole thing, which scares the shit out of me too. Well, right, and yeah. I just I just think as you, as you saw Ohio State get into the rigors of Big Ten play. 
starting with that Wisconsin game in Columbus, I remember uh, Fields got up a little gimpy after a touchdown run. I think he landed awkwardly on his back. And then from that point forward, it seemed like every week, you know, Fields was, uh, you know, there was at least one or two plays in every game. I, clearly the Penn State game, he had to leave the game uh, for a bit in that game. He had to leave the Michigan game. Uh, I I don't think the solution is running Justin Fields. I, I think, you, you you know, maybe he runs a, enough to keep a defense honest. But I think they have to be a threat from the running back position running the football, um, not only to protect Fields, but also, I mean, look, the, the standard I'm applying to this year's team is are they good enough to beat an, the SEC champ or Clemson in a semifinal game or, and the SEC champ or Clemson in a national title game? So they're going to have to face those two teams more than likely in back-to-back postseason games to win a national title and I think Paige I think you had said earlier this week that you weren't all that worried you felt our offensive line was going to be good enough where you know anybody could could carry the ball and average 100 yards and that might be true for most of the Big Ten schedule but yeah I'm thinking kind of look bigger picture you know you look at what a difference J.K. Dobbins made last year against Clemson the healthy Dobbins in the first half versus the nicked up Dobbins in the second half the offense was like night and day. So I, I think you have to have an impact player running the ball from the running back position to to win a title. Otherwise, it's really tough to do it. I don't know. Is that, are, are you still, is that still your thought, the way you're looking at it, Paige, that you're not that worried and they'll find somebody, they'll figure it out? Or what, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, r- running backs are – I, I mean, I'm not a dime, dime a dozen, but um, I mean, I, th- I, I think it's just much more important to have a dominant offensive line mm-hmm. and, you know, you can kind of plug and plug and play at that position. Now, if you have a super special talent like a Zeke or, you yeah. know, maybe even Dobbins for that matter, it does make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they'll be fine. I mean, they'll be able to plug in one of those guys. You know, and then it, it's funny, like, then you start to go back and look at some of these other kids that they've recruited and, you know, what Kendall Gill played running back. That, I guess that that kid, even Cade Stover, played running back. Oh, yeah, Jalen um, Gill, Jalen Gill, yeah. You know, yeah. Jalen Gill, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, so, so they'll be able to figure it out. But then back to the other thing, I, I, I totally agree with you. I think the, the exact wrong thing to do, though, is, go back to an RPO and then you just have fields running left and right, especially with what we could potentially be seeing with this wide receiver core. Um, I mean, you need to keep fields on the field at all costs. So, you know, if you have to sacrifice a series or two in a game, um, you know, you're just not going to, you're just not going to want to do that. I mean, you think back to like the JT Barrett days, uh, you know, urban Meyer just, and he would just beat that kid into the dirt how many times he ran, you yeah. know, and it's just like that is not going to be the solution no. uh, with fields and what you have potentially with this wide receiving core. And, you know, Day and Wilson, they're creative offensive guys. I also think, you know, you got to you got to play the, the, the cards that you're dealt. So, mm-hmm. so come up with some, you know, new schemes and some creative twists if you end up not having, you know, a really – uh, potent rushing attack, and I totally expect them to do that. 
Chad, where right. do you where do you stand right now on on the running back situation? Are you do you see it as a as a huge worry, or or do you agree with Paige that you you think they'll figure it out and they'll be okay? I've been reading that our offensive line is going to be better than it was last year, mm. and that's pretty. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. So you've got that wide receiving core we have is ridiculous. Now I know you have to have a running game to fully you know, take advantage of your passing game. But I think with fields back there, that offensive line, you throw, you know, steel chambers in there. He can, you know, get a few plays here and there along with Crowley and then fields running, you know, defenses aren't going to be able to just sag back. Mm -hmm. So I don't think we need some like, you know, 2000 yard rusher, but you know, Mm -hmm. obviously it would be nice to have, you know, Tig, but you know, I, I think we'll be fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, with, with what we have to surround everything with, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're if you're going to put your faith in the way Ohio State's recruited and their uh, player development, um, there's good reason to trust that, right? There's obviously a great track record there. Uh, and then, Paige, as you said, you've got a creative mind, uh, not only in Ryan Day but in Kevin Wilson. I think if they, if you're putting your stock in that, that's a pretty good investment. There's reason to trust that. Um, if if Crowley is indeed going to be back in time for fall practices, he can get some reps there. You pair him with Steel Chambers. Who, look, he's he's you know he's no chump. Uh, Chambers was right. ba- basically a top two hundred player. I think he fell just outside the top two hundred as a prospect in the twenty nineteen class, according to twenty four seven Sports. He's a big, strong dude. Six one two twenty. That's that's kind of like Carlos Hyde type frame. Now, he only played in four games last year uh, in mop-up duty, 19 carries for 135 yards and a touchdown. But he's a good player. Uh, he's, he's not, you know, we're not talking about a walk-on or some kid that, you know, you know one or two-star pros- prospect. He's a solid four-star out of Georgia, you know, right out of SEC uh, country. Probably, I don't know this for sure, but I would assume he played against pretty good competition uh, at, at that level, you know, in high school. So, um, right. so they, they, they could be okay. McCall, well, never know. Maybe he'll show up. I mean, Demario McCall, I mean, when, uh, here he, here's his name comes up again. And I, I tell you, yeah. he is Bam Childress 2.0. I, I just, here's a guy whose name always seems to come up at this time of year. Um, they haven't found a spot for him yet. Last year he was relegated to, re, you know, fair catching kickoffs. Um, but yeah, they and Ryan Day in his press conference on Monday talked at length about McCall. Um, now again, this is before the news broke of Teague's injury, but he talked about using McCall in the slot and talked about using McCall at uh, running back a little bit. He said, you know, part of the reason McCall didn't get his opportunities last year is that KJ Hill was just too good to take off the field in the slot, and of course, you know, J.K. Dobbins was was too good to to take off the field at running back. I don't know if, you know, you wonder, like, it, does he really believe that? Is he really talking up McCall? Or is he trying to motivate somebody else on the roster who may be a Jalen Gill or somebody who he's trying to, I don't know, it, was he being, um, um, you know, I think, what I, do you I, think? I, as you were saying, as you were saying that, I think he's trying to motivate McCall. It, well, he's trying right. to give that guy the props, and, you know, yeah. and it, look, dude, now is your time. Yeah, um, your fifth year with the program. Uh, right. I, I, I mean, but then I, it goes I, back to your old adage. Right, it goes back to your old adage, Zach. If it takes you five years, 
yeah. to be, you know, an impact player at Ohio State, chances are you're not going to be an impact player at Ohio State. Just doesn't have the Tom yeah. Beckman analogy. Yeah, or I whatever mean, Todd Beckman. <laughs> Todd, it is no. I mean, I think I I think that that rule applies. I've given up on putting any kind of faith uh, uh, in, in McCall. Um, I have no idea. I, I I just do not see where he fits in with the receiver group. I think that ship has sailed with the, with these incoming freshmen now here, all of them here uh, involved in spring drills. Um, that's bad news for McCall. I have no idea where he fits in unless we're talking about major injuries, uh, you know, in spring and in the fall. Uh, I, that's the only way I see any opportunities open up for him with the receiver group. And then maybe at running back until Marcus Crowley comes back. And then, you know, I think you're fine with the combination of Crowley and Chambers. Should Chambers take that that next leap? I, I'm just, I, McCall, the McCall ship has sailed for me. Um, I think they can even do better. In I was also turn. reading this week about Mayan Williams after that body transformation as a freshman <laughs> getting time. Yeah, could be. That is insane, man. Yeah. Yeah, Mickey Marotti, man, that uh, training program that he does. Now, is is Mayan Williams? No, he has not yet joined the program yet, or or has he? Is he is he in, involved yeah, in spring drills? Yeah, he's. Yep. Oh, he is. Okay. All right. Yeah. So then that yeah. then. No, then he, he hasn't. That no, I I don't think he has, and I don't think that's Mickey Marotti did that. Yeah, that's right. You're right because. Right. Uh, I mean, they only have one scholarship tailback uh, participating in spring drills, and that's Steel Chambers. And Mayan Williams has not yet arrived. Uh, so you're right, Paige. I think you're right. Regardless, th- that dude, I don't know what he was doing. I don't know <laughs> if that was Whole30 or ketogenics or something, but it freaking worked. I'm going to start that program tomorrow. It, and today. It, it, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what, what kind totally. of player he, he develops into when he gets to Columbus, but he was the 625th ranked prospect yeah. in the 2020 class. Um is is there a, an opportunity for Jalen Gill? I know he played a little running back, uh, Paige, as you mentioned, in high school. Um, maybe we're all getting in a kerfluffle over something that's going to be resolved by the fall. It seems as though that might be the case. And then, you know, I was listening to the Cleveland.com guys and Doug Marie. He wasn't totally sold on Master Teague to begin with. Uh, you know, most of Teague's carries last year came against second teams and in mop-up duty late in games long after the outcome uh, has had been decided. So how much stock could you really put in Teague anyway? Um, I, I know he was somewhat injured toward the, la- the latter part of the year, but, you know, in that Clemson game and, and in some of the other late games, Penn State, Michigan, he didn't really do much, right? He, he um, I, I, I don't know. I, we, there were there's, there were questions, in other words, going into the offseason about whether he was going to be good enough to be the bell cow back uh, in 2020. I don't know. What what do you what are your guys' thoughts on Teague? Anyways, should let's say he were healthy, were you guys big believers in in Teague to begin with, Chad? What what, what was your view of him? I don't know, man. I, I some of those runs he had last year, regardless of second tier, like he was run over people. Yeah. You know, so I don't think he's some like I don't think he's any slouch. Right. Do I think he's a J.K. Dobbins? No. Do I think he's you know better than you know Demarcio McCall? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I, I think I mean you know like we alluded to earlier about the offensive line and the you know with Fields 
and that receiving core and all those factors. And, you know, you have somebody like, you know, uh, Master Teague, then, you know, so that's why I think, you know, I don't think he's a slouch. I don't think he's some like, you know, 1500 yard rusher, but you know, that's why I, I don't feel so bad about like having somebody like a steel chambers or, you know, Marcus Crowley coming in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, but I don't think he's a slouch by any means but, you know, he yeah. had some nice runs last year, regardless yeah. of who, who we played. Yeah. I mean, just stuck his head down and ran ran over people. Yeah. It, he, I, I went back and looked at some of his uh, earlier tape the uh, there's a partner I think I was telling you at, at the firm where I work who uh, grew up in Columbus is a huge Ohio State fan and uh, he was uh, out in Arizona um, he actually met um, Master Teague's father uh, at like a fan event or something uh, before the Fiesta Bowl and his father said that that Master was actually uh, uh, hurt toward the latter part of the year and after he told me that, I went back and looked at some of uh, Teague's tape, and he definitely seemed a lot more explosive through the first eight games. More breakaway speed, uh, you know, a greater acceleration, and and then toward the latter part of the, the season. Now, the competition had something to do with it, but he didn't seem as explosive. I don't know. Paige, what's your, your view of Teague? Is this, is this a big loss? I mean, do you think he's a really a, a good player, or is he replaceable? somewhat contradictory what I said before, but yeah, I think he's a, it's a pretty big loss. Uh, and it also makes me wonder if he was hurt towards the latter half of the year, then why was he playing? Why wasn't day playing somebody else? Yeah. Um, you know, and then maybe that's because there was such a steep drop off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll be fine. I think just overall depth is an issue. And so, you know, it's like at some point you're going to need some bodies back there. Yeah. And I, I, I think the ceiling was higher for him uh, than maybe some people, you know, uh, are giving him credit for, and especially if he was hurt. So, uh, but, the, you know, overall, again, I think I said this on the other pod, it's like, oh, poor Buckeye fans, we don't have a five-star running back <laughs> back there. You know, and it's the only area on that entire offense that you could point to that just doesn't say, look, I mean, there's maybe one other team in the whole country, maybe two that, you know, is going to have the explosiveness and the depth and the experience that we have at every other position on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. So they're just going to have to figure it out and mm-hmm. piecemeal together. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, you know, for a scale of one to 10, you know, one not being concerned at all and 10, you know, it's a crisis. I, I, I can't dismiss it as, a minor issue, um, but uh, yeah, I'm not going to say it's especially at this time of the year that it's an all-out crisis. But it's something that they have to have sorted out actually pretty quick because you travel to Oregon in week two, and there aren't a lot of spots on the on the you know games on the regular season schedule. I think where you really really going to need a big time playmaker at running back. In other words, where you can get away without having that guy, there, there, there's probably 10, you know, 10 games on the schedule where they can. Um, but the Oregon game on the road is not one of them. That's where you want, you, you're going to need production at running back. If it's third down and three in the fourth quarter, you're trying to run out the clock. You have to have a guy you can trust there to get that yardage. And it, yeah, I'm sorry. It can't be Justin Fields. I just don't think, he's durable enough to, to handle the pounding of 15 carries a game. Even a guy like JT Baird, who, you know, is a sturdier, more durable player. We're talking, that's a guy who left the Michigan game twice in his career in a one score game. 
Um, so you you got to be careful about how much you run fields. The the Penn, the game at Penn State is the other challenge during the regular season where I think they're going to need um, production from the running back and then certainly in the postseason. So I'd say I'm probably about a five and a half or a six. It's something you know. Fortunately, they have time to figure out between now and fall practices. Um, but, but they got to get that figured out. They have to have a good player there in order to win a national championship, in my opinion. If you guys don't have and any, they will. they're a high yeah. state. They're, they're yeah. not going to have a freaking walk on, you know, as running back. Yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll figure it out. It's just, yeah. I don't know. I, I agree with everything you said. I'm about a four on well, the freak meter scale. Uh, freak meter. Where, <laughs> Chad, where are you on the freak meter? Uh, you know what? I'll be honest. I'm probably like, I, I like that page, but I'm like, I'm about a three and a half, four. I'm not okay. freaking out at all. Okay. Yeah. There's time. Yeah. You know, I mean, would I feel, you know, would I like, you know, maybe sleep a little better at night? Maybe, you know, fall asleep faster if Teague was playing, but you know, really I'm, I'm I have no problem going to sleep. So it's all good. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, nothing in Ambien won't take care of, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys have any other comments on the running game, I thought I'd move, let's move on to uh, another interesting development, uh, which was uh, the idea that Baron Browning will be taking reps at the weak side linebacker and then potentially also defensive end. Now, this information came from an interview with Baron Browning. He has not yet participated in spring drills, but there was an interview with Browning uh, earlier last week where he said that he would be taking reps at weak side linebacker, and he was also told they might want to use him a little bit at defensive end. Um, Browning is one of the guys I identified during our last pod uh, that needs to find another level uh, in 2020 for this defense to to reach a, a championship level. Uh, I think he's one of the only guys, returning kids, that has proven explosive playmaking ability on the defensive side of the ball. When I say explosive playmaking ability, I'm talking mostly about uh, getting into the backfield after the quarterback, uh, making tackles behind the line of scrimmage, tr- uh, forcing turnovers, things like that. And I think Browning, they really have to unleash him as that type of a player because, as you guys well know, Chase Young is gone. Uh, Malik Harrison's gone. With those two guys, a ton of production uh, leaves in terms of tackles for loss, quarterback sacks, and that sort of thing. Uh, Paige, what is your your view of Browning and and where he fits in next year? What, what did you What do you think of the idea of him uh, moving to the weak side and potentially playing some defensive end? It just it, again, it just goes back to. Okay, so we're going to live and die with Borland and and Petey Boy back there. I mean, obviously they're going to play, and that, it, it makes me scratch my head um, because I just don't see how it, you're going to be moving Browning around like that, especially with the perceived depth on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. But they must just see something in those guys that the casual fan doesn't see. Um, and maybe it's as simple as, Hey, they don't, they might not make the spectacular plays, but they're solid. You know, Mm -hmm. they understand their reads, um, you know, and, and for the most part they get the job done. Right. Um, but again, it just, you know, we'll beat 10 teams on our schedule, regardless who's, who's playing that position. Uh, that's all fine and good, but against, you know, like you said, Oregon and Penn state, um, those are going to be tough, you know, regular season games, and then hopefully we make the playoffs. I, 
I don't know. It, it worries me um, against the elite competition. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, you know, maybe Mitchell. You know, you're hearing good things about him. Maybe he's going to make the leap, and you know, they they see other guys being able to step into that uh, into the linebacker you know slots, and you know, feel like they can do that with Browning. And, and you know, I, I obviously they know what they're doing. So yeah, uh, I'll roll with them on this one. But it makes me scratch my head. So Browning. I, to me, it's a logical move. I think he is a, a much more instinctual uh, see ball, get ball type linebacker uh, where uh, they just turn him loose a la, you know, Darren Lee. Uh, to me, it makes more sense that Browning would play there. And I think I think he'll be really good there. He'll probably play, get, get a lot more snaps playing there as the starting weak side linebacker rather than in a rotation with Borland. And, you know, actually, he, he turned in quite... He had great production playing limited snaps in a rotation with Borland in terms of uh, quarterback sacks, tackles for loss, that sort of thing. So that move makes sense. But what I'm hearing for you, Paige, is we're back to still being worried about, uh, you know, Borland and Pete Warner. So, Chad, what are your thoughts about the move for Browning? Does that make sense to you? Yes. You know I'm a big Browning fan. So, And he's one of the fastest linebackers on the field, both, you know, both teams at all times. And that's, he's a, you know, he's a hunter, man. Yeah. He goes after the ball. And I, I like, you know, obviously if they feel it's something like that, you know, that can make more plays, get him on defensive end. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think they're talking about like, you know, him replacing like, I mean, we've got some really good defensive ends out there. You know, I mean, obviously one of the best in the country, if not the best Zach Harrison for next year, but you know, if they can get him on the field somewhere where he's going to be able to chase the ball down, you know, I'm all good with it, whatever it takes. But, you know, I, I'm comfortable with Pete Warner. I mean, they're, they're, you know, NFL scouts are talking about him being, you know, uh, a you know, first-round pick next year. Wow. Because of like, the way he – No way. <laughs> no um, fucking way. <laughs> Dude, I can show you a couple articles, man. He's got, oh, he's got the pass coverage. Is, for a is that in Bell P, the Bell Pre Beast? The local edition you're reading that? What are you talking about? Uh, no, dude. I'm, I'm telling you. Late first round, fucking definitely second round, they're saying. Wow. Yeah, I don't know if I see first round potential out of Warner. Portland, I, you know, yeah. tough. I read that tough is one of, like, the, the biggest leaders on that team. I think that's why, you know, he's slower than shit. And, you know, but I guess he's, like, a really – big vocal energetic leader on that team and that's you know i i, I just can't see him being on the field especially because you got I, i've been reading good things about that tommy eichenberg um you know dallas gant um you know you've got i mean there's other players like mitchell i think i'm so excited for him man i it's time for him to, to get in there he's been plagued with injuries yeah but you know i think i think probably like before we get into the meat of our Big Ten schedule, you're going to see some of the, a couple of those boys that I mentioned there, you know, and tough not being on the field. Hmm, interesting. Well, I mean, if he's if he's already played as much as he has, you know, he he's tough. Borland started uh, getting reps and then uh, actually became the starting middle linebacker in 2017. Uh, and then uh, it, actually, I think that was his best year. That was pre Achilles injury. Um, but he's been the guy in the middle there for, well, this is going on four seasons now. 
Um, I don't I know. Think, I think he's going to continue to be part of the rotation. They like what he does in terms of getting the defense called. He's the quarterback of that defense. He's a smart player. They do like his leadership. They had an opportunity to make a change there last year when they swapped out most of the defensive coaching staff, but the new guys came in and they clearly like what Borland can do. It would seem to me, I think, Chad, you mentioned the guy, Taraja Mitchell, would be the, the man that would probably then rotate with Borland in the middle uh, if we do see our guy, Baron Browning, move to the weak side. So uh, that, that does open up an opportunity for Mitchell. And that it is time, like Mitchell, it's, uh, you know, hey, I know he's had injury, injuries but we've been talking about this guy for two years um you know we were all anticipating that he'd be taking snaps from tough borland last year and that didn't happen they kept baron browning who really isn't naturally suited to the middle in the middle um so yeah it's time for mitchell to step up here and and uh, i would assume if he does that he would rotate with borland in the middle uh, I personally think it makes total sense for Browning to move to the weak side. Uh, he's one of the only proven explosive playmakers on defense returning this year. They have to deploy him wherever they can to get after the quarterback and be disruptive in the backfield. Um, the the other piece to this discussion was the idea that he might get reps at defensive end. And that leads to my next question. If he does get reps at defensive end, what does that say about our defensive end rotation in 2020? I mean, I think there's this popular notion that we're loaded at defensive end, but I are we? I, I mean, Chase Young's gone. There's no Nick Bosa. We're not talking about guys with even a Tyquan Lewis or Sam Hubbard profile returning on the defensive line. Now, the potential's there. Recruiting profiles are there. We've seen some flashes from these guys. But Tyreek Smith, Jonathan Cooper, Tyler, Tyler Friday, Javante Jean-Baptiste, those guys have had a, some nice moments, but we're talking about between those five players, Smith, Cooper, Friday, sorry, four players, and, and Baptiste, um, a total of six and a half sacks and ten and a half tackles for loss from last year. That's not great production. And I know there were some injuries They're in there. They're young, though, man. Well, John, Jonathan Cooper's a fifth-year senior. Tyreek Smith is well, going into yeah, his but... third year. Tyler Friday's going, if I'm not mistaken, into his third year. Uh, Jean Baptiste. Yeah, he'll be a junior. Yeah, we're talking about guys now heading into the third, and in the case of Cooper, fifth year. Um, I know there have been Baptiste injuries. Baptiste will be a sophomore. Okay, Baptiste will be a sophomore. Okay. I, I think if, if, the, if what Browning is saying is true, I think they're a little worried about the ability of the defensive ends to get in the backfield and be disruptive. I think these are good, solid players. I agree with you. I think Zach Harrison, of all the defensive ends returning, is is the, the the kid to watch. I think he's going to take that next step. He had three and a half sacks uh, last year, five tackles for loss. Uh, I think I think Harrison is going to be one of those playmakers, but I'm not sure about the other guys. And if you're talking about Baron Browning taking snaps at defensive end, if that does indeed happen, that to me is a sign that maybe the defensive coaching staff's a little worried about the explosive playmaking ability from the kids that they have rotating there. Paige, what are your thoughts on that? Could be. I mean, they, they, they could be a little worried about it, but maybe not. I mean, you know, and, and I think defensive end is one of those positions, right, where time does matter, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you come in and, you know, 18 years old and, you know, a couple years in the program or legit strength and conditioning, you know, regimen, mm -hmm. proper eating habits, um, and I think guys can make huge transitions from year to year, but, um, you know, I, 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 
like you said, like the recruiting pedigree is there. I would expect, you know, at least one or two of those guys, um, you know, to make gigantic leaps from where they were last year. Yeah. Will they be Chase Young? Probably not. But Harrison has a chance to be, you know, probably not Chase Young level, but it's possible. Um, but you're also talking about a guy that's going to go number two in, you know, in the draft. So it doesn't happen every single year. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, with the two Bosa brothers and Chase Young, really it's, it's almost like, <laughs> yeah, we're ridiculously spoiled. So, yeah. Well, yeah. now, I like, this wasn't in the Belfry Times there, PCH, but there's <laughs> the a Belfry lot of people piece, saying that Zach Harrison is going to be better than Chase Young. Wow. Yeah. That's that's a high measuring stick, uh, but you know we saw similar production from Harris, maybe even I think slightly better production from Harrison in his freshman year versus Chase Young in his freshman year. We got one hundred percent, I think. Yeah, I think so. he was. Yeah, well, if Harrison is on a similar growth trajectory in his sophomore year to Chase Young, then we can expect, uh, you know, we can expect a pretty good defensive line because by the end of his sophomore year, Chase Young was a menace, right? By the last three games of the 2018 season, Chase Young was really the player that he was in 2019. So, right. Yeah, no, I mean, you make a good point. And again, we go back to, you you trust the way they've recruited. You can certainly trust the player development track record under Larry Johnson, right? I mean, if there's anybody that's going to get the best out of these kids, it would be Johnson. And, you know, maybe the, the, you know, the measuring stick isn't necessarily the next Chase Young or Nick Bosa. Maybe it's a Tyquan Lewis or Sam Hubbard. If some, if one or two of these kids can reach the Lewis or Sam Hubbard level, you know, we can live with that. That's going to be a very good defensive line. Yeah. You know, I mean, Tyquan Lewis won the Big Ten, what, defensive lineman of the year one year, right? Um, so Yeah, and I, I agree with Paige. Like, it, you know, maybe, and, and I think he as well, Zach, but, you know, maybe that, that that's not the fact that they do see that talent that just, but they, they, you know, linebackers are okay. They've got to get Baron Browning like somewhere to get him back with because, you know, because he's that good, you know, or he's taking the leap that, that he's going to be the player that they had. And, and if it's a defensive end, then so be it. Then, you know, so I don't know if that's really, if it's, we should look at it like the players on the roster right now are just not that great, but that's what I'm, I'm hoping. But, you know, who knows? The linebackers have been... I don't know. This is a big year for some of these kids. Taraja Mitchell, Kayvon Pope, uh, Dallas Gant. These are guys now that have been with the program a long time. They're heading into their third year. And I I don't know. And yeah, Justin Hilliard. Yeah, and Hilliard, who's been around a a long time. He's a graduate, uh, you know, at this stage. Um, I hope we start hearing from these guys. I hope they really put, you know, I, I want at least one of these guys to put themselves in the position of where we can't keep this kid off the field. Otherwise, I, we might be looking at that classes that, uh, that I've, we've had a few swings and misses at those positions. Maybe didn't we didn't recruit well there. Um, these are bi- this is a big spring for all three of those guys. Right. And, and uh, you know, I, here we are as fans. Uh, our, our biggest worry on that defense, I, I, I think you guys would agree, is still at linebacker. And uh, it is yeah. a little puzzling that, you know, Borland and, and Warner, I think Warner does get a bit of a bad rap. He's, he's a better player than I think people give him credit. But Borland in particular, that uh, there hasn't been a player that's been able to take snaps away from him. You know, uh, that I, I don't well, know. Think, Sorry, go ahead. Think, think about the linebackers that, that we've had, right? Like, yeah. Okay, you got McMillan, you got uh, Laronitis. Yeah. Uh, Darren Lee. 
you, uh, AJ Hawk, even go like those guys made immediate impact, maybe not their freshman year, but a lot of them, their freshman year, yeah. but certainly by their sophomore. Year, oh yeah. Ryan Shazier, another one. Shazier, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's like those guys, you know, they popped so early. Good, they have to see the, they yeah. popped early and these other guys aren't. So yeah. if they haven't popped yet, what makes us think at that position, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because it's not like defensive end where you got to get, you know, you're going up against 300 pounders on the other side. It's, it's a lot more just raw athleticism, instinct. And those guys can see the field much more quickly, I think, than offensive defensive linemen. Because mm-hmm. they haven't done it this to date. I don't know when are what they makes do you it? think that yeah. when are they going to do it? And yeah. why is this year that they are? Yeah. If you haven't beaten out Borland and Werner by now, you're probably not. I agree with you. I, I'm a little worried about that. I'm a little worried about how they've recruited there, that none of these guys has popped and has really forced the hands of the coaching staff to play them. I guess you can factor in some injuries in the case of Mitchell, but yeah, the the, the star players we've had at those positions in previous years all emerged earlier in their career. Now, we have seen at other positions veteran players become kind of what Urban Meyer likes to call self-made players, right? Who maybe came into the program, uh, weren't, you know, highly touted, but developed, like Terry McLaren's a perfect example, right, of a self-made player. And maybe one of these guys can emerge as a, a quality contributor who just took a little while to get to that point. But, you know, in their junior and senior years, they're guys that can be relied on. Um, but I think, yeah, this is a big spring. I, I would hope we start hearing it from at least one of these guys that the light's gone on and they're going to force the coaching staff's hand uh, to, to play them, you know. I mean, I know they like to rotate guys in and th- th- there is opportunity for playing time. I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm... Maybe it's just the off season and there isn't, you know, there's no games being played and I'm just making things up to be worried about. But to me, that seems a legitimate concern. Yeah. If we weren't freaking about freaking out about something, what would we be doing? Yeah. Yeah. I'd be right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, there was another uh, a piece of news, a little tidbit that, that came out uh, on the other side of the ball, uh, which was very interesting. Uh, and that is what looks like Garrett Wilson's move from the outside to the slot, uh, which we, we kind of talked about this in the last pod. There was a rumor circulating. I don't want to say rumor, but there was some discussion around perhaps Chris Olave making a move into the slot to make way for a Julian Fleming or Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, just to get you know more of these younger kids uh, on the field. But Either way, a player like Wilson or Olave, I think Olave is probably just too fast. You know, you got to keep him on the outside. But Wilson moving into the slot, that has all kinds of amazing potential for me, and it has me all hot and bothered. Chad, what do you think about that potential move for Wilson? Love it. Yeah. I mean, it just shows you what kind of talent they got on that team. And, yeah. and like, you know, that's a player that can just, you know, you give him the ball, man. Like, like the kid can move. Yeah. He's got unbelievable hands. He's got speed. He can make you miss. So it's, it's exciting, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think if you look at the KJ Hill, the player they had there previously, he was a, a reliable guy. He had some big plays, but really that he's the, he was your traditional slot type player, a guy you would go to on third and six to get that first down, but he wasn't a player that opposing defenses were going to worry, be worried about beating them vertically. 
Wilson brings a different skill set, and I think that you know he, he brings a whole new set of worries for opposing defenses. Paige, what do you what do you think about that potential move? Do you like that? Uh, it worries me that they're just going to take a lot of balls away from my man Luke Farrell, and it's going to be a big tight end year. So I don't know what the hell they're thinking. Because this is the year of the tight end for the Buckeye offense. I, yeah. I keep waiting for it, but this is it. Yeah. yeah. No, that dude is, I mean, he's got great hands, and I think that's, you know, maybe part of it also. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he, he can be that guy that just, man, we have to have this first down. Yeah. Right? And so he just runs like a little curl, like an eight-yard curl, and, you know, boom, you're going to get him. Um, but it's also like Chad said, my God, you just have all this talent out there. You got to get these guys on the field. You're going to have to find creative ways to do it. And, you know, if moving Wilson to the slot is one of them, um, then, then, then go for it. And just because you're in the slot doesn't necessarily mean that you can't run like a post down the middle, you know, for 60 yards. Um, right. So I think it'll be, it'll be really exciting, um, with just the amount of talent they have at that. Yeah, that's going to be really fun to watch. And it's great. It's really exciting that all these young wide receivers uh, are early enrollees and participating in spring drills. We're going to get to see them in the spring game. Um, I, I think it's uh, I, I think it's a very exciting uh, development. Um, you're going to have a, a vertical threat playing in the slot, uh, you know, in Wilson. Uh, who's going to be flanked on the outside by two guys that can kill you deep Olave and probably I think most of us are assuming it's going to be Julian Fleming uh the playmaking ability there is uh is I I don't know I mean we we might be talking historically great uh in terms of you know the 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 history of the program We'll, we'll see um yeah, I think to play the slot, you have to have you have to be able to move well in short spaces. You have to have kind of almost like point guard quickness. And and I know that Wilson has a basketball background. He was a really good basketball player in high school. Um, and yeah, I, I think that that makes perfect sense that he would make that move there. Uh, it also sounds like uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba has been working a little bit in the slot. And of course, you know. Demario McCall's name comes up. He's a guy that uh, Day talked about in the press conference, and and all of the, uh, you know, the beat writers are talking about. I just I don't know where McCall uh, fits into the picture, though, uh, with that kind of talent playing ahead of him. Um, and then yeah, then I guess the next question is how much will Ohio State uh, rely on these young freshmen? It's Day had said in his press conference on Monday that all the young guys, uh, G. Scott, Smith and Jigba, Mookie Cooper, Julian Fleming, um, all look better than he expected uh, for a first spring practice. Uh, you, you had a guy like Smith and Jigba who is, I guess, you know, in Texas, they have spring practices, the high school programs have. I guess they don't yet have that in Ohio high school football. Uh, a lot of these guys take part, you know, they, they take part in these seven-on-seven drills and they go to these camps. All of these kids participated in those, uh, you know, the, 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 those extra programs, and they're they're much more polished than, you know, incoming freshmen used to be. So I I would expect, you know, at least three of those kids to crack the six man rotation. Right, that's what Day said in a previous press conference. That was going to be the goal. They're going to identify their six best players, and those will be the kids that will get the majority of the snaps. 
Um, I don't great know. Great problem to have, man. Yeah, great. Yeah. So then the question is, uh, you know, if we're, if we're looking at, you know, prob- a probable six-man rotation of Olave, Fleming, maybe Jamison Williams and G. Scott on the outside, Garrett Wilson and maybe Smith and Jigma in the slot, you know, that's going to leave some kids out of the mix who've been with the program a while. I, I've asked you guys this question a couple of times. What's the over-under on receivers entering the transfer portal after the spring? What do you think that number's yeah. going to be? What do you think, Paige? Well, the over-under number is definitely two, and I'm probably on the over on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. so if they, it'll be interesting to see, though, if they pass, right? So they're trying, the NC, they're trying to pass the new law or new the rule, transfer right? Transfer rule, so, yeah. You don't have to sit out a year. Uh, when does that go into effect, right? Does it go into effect in 2020 or does it, you know, which probably won't. It'll be 2021. Yeah. But if it could be 2020. And, again, it's like, look, if you've been in a program for two years, three years, and freshmen come in and they're taking your reps, you got to go. I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to run out of eligibility, um, and especially if you don't have to sit out a year, uh, you're gone. And so, yeah, I could totally see two or three of those guys, you know, yeah. hitting the portal for sure. Chad, would you agree with that? Yeah, because they can, they can, yeah, because they can probably, you know, like I think you might have said that, Zach, they could be starting in another program, you know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, and then you've got Jeremy Rucker, dude, who he's going to, I think he's going to have a big year, mm-hmm. you know, and then you got Carol. There's, there's a lot of weapons on this offense. So going back to what we were, we started out the pod with, you know, discussion is the Master Tig. I mean, Jesus, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you would think they're going to rely heavily on the passing game if there are some, some, some kids that just aren't quite, if they're, you know, you got a guy like uh, you know Crowley who isn't quite ready yet and might not be able to emerge as an impact player until the second half of the season because he's he's still recovering from from an injury. Then yeah, they're going to rely heavily on the passing game. Either way, they're going to rely heavily on the passing game. I would think you know I, last year they were a, a, a run heavy offense. Believe it or not, they they relied. Uh, you know, I, I I can't remember what the percentage was, but they were a run first offense. I think we're going to see a shift in that either way, even if they a, a good player emerges at running back for them. Yeah, I, I'm looking at you know some. I'm looking at the roster now. You have kids like Jalen Gill, Elijah Gardner, Cameron Babb, Gill especially as a kid who was one of the top prospects in the 2018 class. He's a local kid, five star. Uh, depending on what recruiting service you're looking at. Here he is. He's unavailable for spring practices, and there's a five-star player uh, working at his position right now in Garrett Wilson. That's just not a good sign for him. And, uh, you know, what are the, what's the yeah. likelihood that he comes back even healthy and he's going to take reps away or snaps away from a player like, you know, Garrett Wilson, highly unlikely. So I would expect, I agree with you, Paige. I think we're looking at at least two receivers entering the transfer portal. It could be three. I'm looking at a kid like Gill, Elijah Gardner, and Cameron Babb. I just don't know where those guys fit in. And, you know, they're young players with, you know, relatively young players with several years of eligibility still left. I, I think it's it's Fisher cut bait uh, after the spring game or this spring. And then after the spring game, they're going to be forced to make a, a decision, I, I would assume. 
Um, yeah, it blows my mind that, I mean, I know from a kid's perspective, hell yes, you'd want to get a sixth year of eligibility, but I mean, Saunders, you're really going to see the field, dude. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's another player. I agree with you. What, what, what useful purpose does that serve, especially if he, if he already has a degree, which I assume he does. Why is he coming yeah, back for a six year? Yeah. Smart, all that shit. But I mean, dude, unless you just like want to just be there and work out with the team, which, you know, some dudes are like that. But, I mean, dude, the chances of you seeing the field, I mean, I would think are probably really low. Oh, yeah. I, I would agree with that. And I don't know if he would also eat up a scholarship. I, I don't know that's if he would I or not. Wondering. I mean, you would – if that's the case – you would, right? Uh, yeah, I would think so, too. And if that's the case, and there are some kids in the transfer portal that could help you, namely at – corner or maybe even running back that you could give that scholarship to and you're giving it to Saunders for a sixth year I I don't know if if my logic is correct there or if my facts are straight on that but yeah Saunders is another one Um, (laughs) you know I mean unless he's going to be kind of just a locker room presence and a a kid that they you know a veteran player that that's there to 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 kind of um mentor these young receivers then I, I could see it but i don't know Paige. what are your thoughts on that he he was a captain last year wasn't he i'm pretty sure he was yeah i'm pretty sure he was too yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I yeah know. it makes no sense but you know they aren't they i i think they're also still over scholarships right now i think they're at 87 you have to be at 85 yeah. when the season starts so yeah. a couple of those guys are not going to be there i mean i don't know how that all plays out but right um, you know, and, and that's with those, you know, the two guys that got kicked off the team. Yeah. Like Jesus, you know, it's like 90 kids uh, on scholarship. I don't know. So, well, while we're on the topic of the Ohio state secondary, um, uh, one of the, rep- uh, one of the other reports from the first week of spring practice was that seven banks flashed at one of the outside corner positions, um, which is good news. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, you know, they're going to rely heavily on banks now as the depth has taken a bit of a hit. Although I feel like in the, in the case of, of the, uh, uh, you know, Wint and, um, uh, sorry, what's the other kid's name? Wint and um, Reap. Reap, Reap being kicked off the team. I, f- I felt like, uh, you know, it was a cloudy picture with those two in the mix, as it were, because you had a group of kids who were all, uh, had all been with the program a while that hadn't really accomplished or done anything yet. And now you've removed two of them. Right. I think that brings a little clarity to the room, but yeah, it was, it was good to hear that banks had made um, is, is making some progress and is, is turning heads early on in spring practices. They're going to, they're going to have to rely on him. Cam Brown is another player. I think that that is, they're going to rely heavily on. I don't believe he's participating in spring drills right now. Um, Day said when asked about the, 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 the cornerback situation, you know, would he uh, just go with their three best, regardless of where they've played historically, um, you know, in, in the past, whether in the slot or on the outside? And he said, yeah, that would be the case. They're going to identify their three best corners, regardless of where they played previously. And those are going to be the three that, that they're going to go with. And right now, it sounds like it's obviously Sean Wade, Seven Banks, and Cam Brown. Those are the guys that are, are going to get the first crack at, at the, the three starting corner spots. Um, and then it sounds like um, Josh Proctor is still nursing an injury. He's not been practicing. Marcus Hooker has been working at the single high safety spot. 
Um, you know who else I've been reading a lot about Tuesday is uh, true freshman Ryan Watson. If he's looking real good. Hmm. So, you know, and I know we've talked about this before. I, I just, I have my doubts about young players playing right away. Unless agree, they're really, really. Well, who was the last like freshman we've had that it was probably like a Dante Whitner or a Mike Doss, right? I mean, they have, you tend to have to be a special, special player to start yeah. some playing time in the two deep. But, you know, maybe, you know, maybe if there was a year where a young guy could emerge, it would be this year, right? Because there's a lot of questions back there. Yeah. Um, Paige, what are your thoughts on the secondary? Do you have anything? It's just what you guys said. I mean, you're going to have to have guys step up. It's the reality of the situation. So if it's Brown or Banks or whoever it is, and even if they're not freaking awesome, they're going to play. Somebody's got to play back there. So uh, what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot, uh, obviously, a lot, uh, a long way to go yet in the um, in the secondary competition there. We're, we're only one week into spring practices, and uh, no doubt there's going to be a, a few more developments there. Um, hey, uh, can I ask uh, PPH questions, Z? Do you mind? Not at all. Go ahead. Hey, PPH, you're getting a little nervous about that bet we got going. Uh, four to one on the uh, Speed 16 and 10 to one on uh, sweet, uh, the Grade 8. The Buckeyes are looking good, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I'm not. I'm not nervous about that bet whatsoever. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't realize we played today at 4:30 against Michigan State. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Season finale. Yeah. yeah. We do. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? Nikki, I'm not shit. Sorry. Yeah. I, if that. What's his name? EJ Liddell, man. If that guy, you can see him getting better. He can dude, I know. He's balling for a deep, a deep run. Um, so, yeah, then I might get a little bit nervous about that. Bet. Walker <laughs> so, stepping right up. Now. You got Muhammad stepping up. Look, yeah. they're gonna, dude, they got some talent, man. Yeah, I, I like this team. Uh, I, I think, um, you know, if you look at what they did before the Big Ten schedule started, you know, you know, beating up on some really good teams in Kentucky. And, uh, yeah, Kentucky's like number five or six right now. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, yeah, this is a good team. And they've beaten some good teams. Uh, I think the Big Ten is brutal this year. They've all been beating up on each other. It sounds like they're going to send as many as ten players, or sorry, ten teams to the tournament. Um, I don't think today's outcome really means much of anything. I'm not sure how much it helps their seeding in the Big Ten tournament. I think um, I, I don't know if they win. I don't believe they would get a second buy. I think they're going to have they're going to be forced to play. Uh, when does this tournament start? It starts Thursday, so that their first game will be Friday. But I'm with you guys. I think this yeah, team could do some. Yeah, selection this week. Uh, the Big Ten tournament starts this coming week. Next week. Right? Yeah, next week. Okay. And then selection yeah. Sunday is a week from today. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. What uh, are they saying? They're about a six seed at this point? That, that sounds about right to me. I know that's where they would fall in the Big Ten tournament. Um, but, yeah, somewhere between six and eight. I mean, look, if you're – yeah, I mean, if you're a one or a two – do you want to see an Ohio State in the second round? Uh, I yeah. I wouldn't. I mean, this is a team that's, you know, that's beaten, you know, they've beaten some really good teams. Some of the, the, the Blue Bloods already this season, they've shown that they can do it. Um, yeah, I think this could be really fun. I, I, I love the guard play. I think they're, the, the guard play hasn't been, I don't, you know, you don't have any future NBA. You, there's no Mike Conleys on that team. But the guard play, in my opinion, has been better this season than in recent past uh 
you know, they're good, you know, making good decisions, uh, taking care of the basketball. I love that this team hits their free throws. <laughs> that makes me sound like an old man, but I love the fact that, you know, when they have to salt away a game at the free throw line, they can do it. No problem. Everyone on the floor can hit their free throws. Yeah, and they, they are. They're murder at the free throw line. I, you know, don't until you had referenced it, I hadn't really paid any attention to it. <laughs> they are very good. But now, of course, we've jinxed them. They freaking blow it. You know, Sweet 16, Chad. There goes Chad's bet at the free throw line. Somebody's going to go up and bricks and free throws when you really need it. But when they go to that three-guard set, they're pretty tough, man. And even on the defensive side, just locking guys down like Muhammad. Yeah. He's a big dude, man, yeah. you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Muhammad, so. and, Muhammad and Andre Wesson, they've got two really good wing players there, guys that, uh, you know, can do a little bit on the offensive end. They can create their own shots. Uh, they're good shooters, but they can also, you know, lock, lock down a, an opposing wing player on the other side. And I've been really, really impressed with C.J. Walker and Dwayne Washington in the, in the, in the backcourt. Um, was it last week against Michigan? Uh, Washington kind of kept Ohio State in it. Nobody could really hit a shot outside of Washington. And he kept them in the game from behind the arc in the first half until other guys started hitting shots. Um, and then in the second half, I thought C.J. Walker had a really good floor game. He he kept killing him at the elbow with that elbow jumper. He hit like three or four in a row um, that helped helped Ohio State kind of extend out its lead. And, and, and then I thought he just had a really good floor game, just distributing the ball, taking care of the ball. And, and as we've already mentioned, they hit their free throws. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm expecting this team to make a run in the, in the, uh, in the tournament. I'm, I've, not only do I think they can, I'm kind of expecting it, I, you know. And, and, and do we know when Kyle Young, if he's going to – I know he's got a high ankle sprain. Is he – any chance of getting him back? I, I, I don't know. Do you guys have an update on that? No, they they're no. just yeah they're waiting on some shit. So who knows? Yeah, we'll see. But Walker's like you said, Walker's stepping up. I'm excited. Um, I'm I'm glad that we gotta do a podcast today, man. This was great. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, you know, we had really had to kind of you know milk milk what little news uh, came out as the first week of spring practices. Uh, to to kind of extend this out to an hour, but yeah, we're we're just at, at right about an hour. Uh, which I, I wasn't sure we were going to able to to hit. Well, if you guys don't have anything else to add, um, April eleventh is the spring game. Maybe we can uh, get together once once again before before the spring game, and then certainly we'll have a lot to talk about coming out of the spring game. But if you don't have anything to add, guys, uh, why don't we shut her down and we'll um, we'll reconvene in a week or two. <laughs> <laughs>